Welcome to the weekly inebriated scriptural exegesis and source study production of the Oklahoma Atheist. I'm Paul, and I will be hosting tonight. Damien is off taking care of his family, which is an, an, a great thing. Uh, joining me tonight is Abby. Wait, what? what? We never do this. Hi. It's Hi. Better. Sorry. It's Abby. <laughs> and there's Chad. This the is way. a real podcast. <laughs> I'm Chad, and this okay. is a real podcast tonight. <laughs> We are legit. Sorry, I've just taken right. off guard. Um, well, should we? Get, should we? Since we're since we're going to have to go through three weeks of Ezekiel, um, let's start out with what we're drinking. And I guess tonight I'll start. I'm drinking a Southampton Double White, which I just moved and found a new liquor store, and they have a fantastic beer selection. And they'll even let you build your own six pack for like eight dollars and sixty cents. You can grab whatever beers you want and build your own six packs. Is it's wonderful. That's so. cheap. I know. I was like, okay. Uh, so what about you, Chaz? What are you drinking? I am drinking an Anderson Valley product, the Summer Solstice, in a can. It's pretty damn good. It's that one with the the bear and the the uh, the antlers on it. it. Looks great. Fantastic. Really tasty. Yeah, they make some good beers, and the IPA is really good too. So you'll probably like that. Yeah. And Abby. I have a um, Trout River Scottish style ale. Um, it's it's great. It's smooth. It's a little chocolatey. Um, I don't know what Scotland tastes like, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. Have you ever been there? I've watched Train Spotting a lot, so. <laughs> well, that counts for something, right? Sweet lassie got glass. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess tonight we're still covering. Ezekiel. Tonight it's basically what, like chapters 9 through 27, 28? Yeah. Okay. And it's pretty much much up until 25, we're still talking about Judah and Jerusalem, correct? Like Mm -hmm. that's kind of the, he's kind of doing his whole shtick about that and then and then later kind of framing it uh, 25 and 26 and 27 are are more about other places um so you had mentioned chaz was it you talking about chapter 16 that you were yeah i believe so i believe it's chapter 16 where the he keeps relating jerusalem to a slut and it goes on and it's 60 verses <laughs> It's it's incredible. I mean, and it got. I think by the by the 20th verse, I was I I got the point. And I <laughs> really? Was thoroughly sickened. <laughs> really? Anymore. I actually thought chapter 16 was really good. I mean, not good like morally good, but as far as the it's a common theme. But I think this is a pretty good example of it. The common theme being that okay, being, yeah. that Israel is whoring itself out. Yeah. Okay. To all these other gods, and mm-hmm. I think it's like a literary unit. It has merit. You can just quibble about the fact that it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I did. Speaking of of literary units, what of the whole? As far as reading this sort of, which I know Abby, you've done some outside reading. I've done a little bit. I don't know, Chaz, have you done much? Like I I did some in the beginning, but I haven't recently. Okay. And no- nothing's been that interesting for me to go outside, so I, I just haven't. <laughs> well, what what is your take on all of all of these anti-Judah Jerusalem whoring themselves out? Like, do you think this was all 
how cohesive is this? Is this basically like the work of one author, or would you say it's more of a, you know, split up massively? When I read it for myself, I thought it was kind of like, I don't know, it seemed kind of patchwork. Like, some parts of it seemed really cohesive, mm. like especially chapter 16, you know, seems really cohesive yeah. in one piece, and then other parts of it seem kind of, I don't know, not so cohesive. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I, well, I think it... Go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems to be like a common theme that people worked with. They just thought of... It made sense to think of them as whores, because I guess they knew a lot of whoring or something. And I I mean, I assume that to a certain extent, these books are kind of like... All the major prophets read to me like being compilations of various things that are kind of thrown together because of the subject. Okay. Um, So, I think they just said oh we have some stuff about whores let's put it here <laughs> with the other stuff about whores okay so they wanted to consolidate it just put it right here yeah i mean maybe they thought maybe ezekiel wrote about whores maybe he wrote this scrawl it's anonymous well, i'll stick it i'll stick it in ezekiel after all this stuff about tear what is the scholarly like I understand Christian view on the dating of Ezekiel, which is, mm-hmm. you know, um, they're in exile. There's however many years of exile, and there's like different chapters that are attributed to that. Is that basically the scholarly view, or I don't really know. Um, well, I think it's accepted as being like post-exilic because it talks about Babylon a lot, and it's. It's kind of in the past tense because he's already with the exiles in Babylon. Right. But I guess they like the um, it's really confused like the time and place like it jumps between Jerusalem and Babylon a whole lot. Like suddenly he's in Jerusalem, then suddenly he's in Babylon, and he's talking about something. You don't know where he is. The notes in my Bible really make it clear. Like they'll say like scholars debate whether. He had um, two missionaries, like if Ezekiel had a mission in Jerusalem and then one in Babylon, or right. vice versa. Because, Well, I mean, I don't think he really, I don't think there was really an Ezekiel. I think it was just a bunch of writings that were thrown together. But they can't, even the people who study it can't, who study it like and believe it, can't sort out where he is when he's doing. Okay, I want to add that I didn't like chapter 16. But I did like verse 4, or at least I thought it was odd. <laughs> and he said uh, in the NIV on uh, verse 4, On the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to make you clean, nor were you rubbed with salt or wrapped in cloths. No one looked at you. It's just kind of odd. Is that a good thing or bad? I'm trying to figure that out. I don't know. Like, we, like you started off as pure. We, we didn't do all these things. Right. Maybe you didn't have to. And then you hoard yourself out. You ruined it. <laughs> maybe pure is not the right word, but untouched, maybe. Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. There's definitely throughout this text the very distinct what what's the word I'm looking for? This the set apart like God set you apart and you totally just screwed that up. Yeah. Yeah. It's like she's um illegitimate, just kind of like a bastard thrown on the ground. Right. Right. I think it's interesting. This is um, the Amorites are her father and the Hittites her mother. That's like yes, that is it. Where where is that? Um, right at the start of sixteen. Okay. It's saying Jerusalem is a product of the Amorites and the Hittites, which I mean contradicts everything else in the Bible. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> What's Turkey new? and 
Well, the Amorites are basically Canaanites, I think. And the Hittites are the, like, in Turkey. So I don't know where they got that, but... It's also interesting about what you were saying earlier, how your Bible does it. Mm-hmm. it about the, the switching as, as far as from Babylon and back to... Oh, it's so confusing. Right, that didn't oh, really... Yeah. That, that really didn't jump out to me so much whenever I was... Really? reading it like i was like oh okay it was just kind of like another chapter or another i don't know <laughs> well there's yeah like, sometimes too, he has honest, like a yeah. vision like in chapter eight he has a vision of jerusalem and there's a whole bunch of stuff about the temple and then he's back in babylon well actually we might want to mention that chapter 10 has um all the crazy cherubims and wheels and stuff from the beginning oh but yeah, here it seems it's not a vision. It seems to actually be taking place in the temple. I want to know if the biblical literists think that there's flying wheels and cherubim in the temple. You know, I read it was a I'm, – I'm not even going to cite it because it was not scholarly at all. But I, I when I was researching e- Ezekiel and some of the outside writing about was interesting, there was actually a, an article that was posted by somebody who was – an amateur, I didn't see any professional credentials or anything. But that was basically that, well, you know, people take this to be UFOs and people take this to be these wheels <laughs> wheels and it's not really it's really just, you know, mistranslated temple language or something like that. I was like Okay, do we have right. <laughs> What temple language are we talking about? Like what was the temple the wheel of fortune or, or what are we talking about? But Yeah, what's the living creatures? Yeah, I, I don't get it. Because it, it all sounds very bizarre. Like, when you read it at face value, like you said, Abby, about literalists and everything, when you read you're like, what is this talking about? Like, But don't the wheels just remind you of someone on someone who's high? You know, because when you're high, you focus <laughs> on something, and you just you can't stop focusing on it. And he just can't get these damn wheels out of, out of his head. He's like, I just these wheels are incredible. Yeah. They talk about all the carvings in the temple. Maybe, like, people are getting stoned in the temple and looking at all the friezes on the wall and being like, whoa, that looks like a wheel. It's moving, dude. And then the cloud, the cloud of the Lord fills up the chamber. And the cloud is mentioned a few times. Yeah. Maybe that's what the cloud is. That's, I think I made that joke before about the... Well, like a long time ago, because earlier in like Samuel or something, there's stuff about the cloud filling up the temple and everyone dances and gets happy. I I might go to that church, assuming <laughs> assuming it was legal and there was you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's right. called Rastafarians. Oh yeah, good point. Good point. Although the white man is Babylon. So. Right. Yeah, there's a part that reminds me of like a a to, a, a cover of a Tool uh, <laughs> CD, where it says um. Yeah, chapter 10, verse 12, their entire bodies, including their backs, their hands, uh, and their wings, their wings, of course, were completely full of eyes, as were their four wheels. I don't know. I kept thinking of Tool singing about his third eye. That's <laughs> and their album covers. They're all trippy. It just reminds me of someone who's high. Yeah. The whole thing's really trippy. If you're trying to envision what this narrative is actually describing, you're it's kind mm-hmm. of confusing. I wish, I wish oh, yeah, I had I gone back and actually looked into some of the roots of which Abby, your translation. I mean, is it basically like the same as the KJV, like wheels and you know? Um, yeah, it's just weird. Yeah, just kind of strange. Because I, 
Actually, I'm not even sure that going back and looking at the Hebrew would be very helpful at all, because most no, every translation that I've read and the courses that I've I've experienced in church were all just, oh yeah, the wheel within the wheel. And the... <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, like, of course, yeah. Back. What are you talking about? <laughs> you'd have to ask a native Israelite what this meant to them when they read it. Right. To really get the true sense. Ask like, an Israelite. That's shit. <laughs> a, a, a sad, sad self-confession is that there were times as a Christian when I would sit down and think, like, what would this be if I didn't have today's conveniences and technology <laughs> and, you know, and, and I saw this, how would I describe it? Like, what could that be? Uh, funny. <laughs> You're just trying to help them out. You're like, this makes no sense. I'm going to help you out. Well, I'm not so sure it was that. I think it was more me grasping at wanting some sort of, like, mystery. Like, okay. wanting aliens. But I or... think a lot of people wouldn't bother. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't care if it makes sense. They just read it and, like, okay, moving on. Wheels, I get it. It must Move make on. sense to some. People are yeah. trained to make sense of this, so not my job. People have a rem- have a remarkable ability to make sense of remarkable <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah. So pretty much... Throughout chapter 25, what else do we have to say about the Jerusalem and, and Judah whoring themselves out? Well, well, there's other stuff that's not... There's like chapter 9, um, they slaughter everyone in Jerusalem. Who slaughters everyone God and his, his little posse. Six men. Really? He has six guys, and one has um, pen, and, pen and ink at his waist... And they go to the temple, and God's like, okay, get your pen, mark the foreheads of those who groan and lament over the abominations practiced in the temple. So apparently, there's bad sh- they're, they're doing idol worship in the temple. Right, right. This, this was the part where everybody gets marked, and then... Yeah. Okay. But I missed the six men part. I guess I was not all the way <laughs> awake when I was reading that part. <laughs> well, sometimes your eyes glaze over, and you... Well, I was gonna say, actually, I think it was it was me tying it to the Exodus story and and the Angel of Death, and then also to like the Daniel and Revelation stories, where there's like the Mark of the Beast, and God's gonna mm. kill everybody who doesn't have it or whatever, or everybody who has it. And so I read over it, and I was like, yeah, whatever. But I guess apparently they kill everyone who's not um, moaning about the. I don't know. Do they ask them, say like, hey, what's your opinion on the idol worship? Yeah, right. And they kill them, okay, cool. They... We'll mark you. <laughs> Mark you for death. It's really not, really not a bad method of going. Well, it's better than killing all of them. A social meme cleansing. <laughs> better than killing all of them. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, you got to keep the ones with the good memes. True. <laughs> but he's changed his mind. I mean, in back in Sodom, he killed. It would only take one to kill the whole town, but now he's he's grown lenient. Yeah, but Sodom wasn't his chosen people. Like maybe he's more. He he's more lenient with his with his chosen ones, I guess would be the way to look at that. Yeah, so well, a bunch of boring stuff. I don't know. He goes around, does stuff, breaks through a wall, and goes somewhere, but I don't really know where. I can never tell if he's in Babylon or Jerusalem. Yeah, looking back on it now, it does kind of jump around. He's breaking through that wall of consciousness, man. You know, man. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Look at the wheels. There's even one inside of the <laughs> Chapter 14, verse 14 is kind of neat. It names off these people. Yeah, Noah, Daniel, and Job. Oh, so oh does it? It's kind of self-referential. Yeah. 
Does it? It starts does off it, does it verse 13. Daniel? Yep. Does it? I thought that was neat. Yep. I thought that was neat. Oh, uh, does it? Well, yeah. Do you not think it's Daniel? Daniel was, in, Daniel was like five years old. That's what I was wondering. That's why I brought it up. I was thinking, what about Daniel? I mean, Daniel. Yeah, and yet. also, Daniel was written in like 200 BCE, so... I mean, oh, he yeah. didn't exist. If he did exist, he wasn't even born. So how can this be mentioning Daniel? Maybe Daniel was a book that was just passed around by word of mouth first. That was rhetorical. I have the answer. Got it. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it please, is, please lay it upon us. We, we're grasping. It is the name Donnell. It is not Daniel. It is spelled differently. Uh-huh. There is uh, one character missing. It's translated as Daniel in the KJV, but most modern translations have Donnell. D-A-N-E-L. And when they dug up the Ugaritic texts in the crazy Canaanite language, in the cuneiform and stuff, they found many references to a Canaanite hero named Donnell. So people really? pretty much agree, even, you know, the religious people, um, well, not the really religious ones, but they agree that this is a reference to Noah, Danel, a Canaanite hero, and Job. And notice that all three of them are non-Israelites. And they weren't really prophets, I, and they weren't prophets. You know, I, yeah. I was figuring that was, that was going to be it. Like, I don't really get the point he's making, like... Even yeah. if these three guys were living there, he wouldn't kill them all or something. He's making some I think kind you're of just name dropping. <laughs> what for those following along at home? What? Oh, fourteen, thirteen. 13. Yeah, yes, that's where it 14. starts. Yeah, I don't know how much is written about him, but there's some stories about him. Dunno. That is really interesting. I noticed that in the NIV, it has this little C in brackets above Daniel, and I was like, I didn't, I don't know what that meant, but. It's great. At first, I thought you just couldn't hear what I was saying. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's Daniel. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I think it's Daniel. Yeah, it's Daniel. Weird. And see, and, and that's interesting because Strong's has it as H1840, mm-hmm. which is literally God is my judge. And then the second son of David, the fourth of the greater prophets, uh, the priest in the line of Ithmar. Who sealed the covenant with Nehemiah? Uh, what's he talking about? Um, but but there's, <laughs> I know I'm like there's nothing. But in you there know about it's spelled that. differently. So it's it's missing a character. It's spelled the same in because the um Ugaritic texts are written um it's cuneiform but it's alphabetic cuneiform, so it has pretty much the same characters as the Hebrew alphabet. I mean, this have they just have totally different forms, but it's there's a correlation so it's spelled the same way as Donnell. So I can totally see how a transcription error would have. Yeah, they were like, Who's this? It must be Danielle. Because I mean the 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 I don't know the name of the character, but like the Y type character was used as a vowel helper. The matres okay. lecciones, I think the fancy word is. They they'd mark the long vowels sometimes. So Okay. So out of curiosity and you may have covered this, and I know I've mentioned it before, and you may have c- covered this on the first bit about Ezekiel, but what exactly, whatever they're translating this from, you know, these scrolls to whatever you want to call it, the King James Bible or whatever, into the 
the Latin or the what are these monks <laughs> thinking? Like, how is this relevant to that time period? Like, I don't see. Like, I can see why. Is it just because it's has a cultural relevance, maybe? Or, I mean, and I can see how modern Christianity has spun it so that it's you know you don't go worshiping other gods. Obviously, this is a book about that. Like, we really don't need to go worshiping other gods, otherwise, it's going to bring about destruction. But before all of that, whenever you're just a monk in a monastery <laughs> transcribing this, what is the... You mean Christian monks, or...? Yes, yeah. yes. So you see, like... I mean, when when they're actually putting together the King James Bible, or not putting together, but translating the King James Bible, and they're like, oh, yeah, da, da, da. like, I'm, I'm trying to see... It seems like so much of this, to me anyways, of this Old Testament text is somewhat irrelevant. Is it there for the cultural <laughs> heritage or for the... Well, I'd assume that they already had the the notion that it's all God's word or something. Because, I mean, like, there's a canon. They can't arbitrarily shorten it. So there must be value to it because it's the Bible. Okay. I mean, that's my guess. Because, I mean, it started as just, you know, a bunch of things that were important to the late Israelites. They said, we got to keep these around because that's our cultural heritage. And then it just, I mean, just force of habit, I guess. I mean, you can't just throw it away. Yeah, that makes sense. So it got put together in this canon, and then we've just dutifully <laughs> copied and copied yeah. and copied. And now, to me as a former Christian, it was very much painted as the don't go whoring after other gods. Like, that's what this is basically about. Mm-hmm. You know, Israel really screwed up. This is how they screwed up. Don't screw up like Israel was kind of mm-hmm. the Christian slant on it that was given to me. Well, I think that's, I think they were writing the story to explain why they lost their country. They're like, what did we do wrong? Why, why is God so mad at us? Well, it must and have been Ezekiel knows exactly why. Yeah, yeah, the original intent of Ezekiel, for sure, yeah. was, okay, we're in exile. What the fuck? <laughs> how, how are we going to explain this to you? <laughs> yeah. Well, you see... There's some whoring going on. A lot of nice gods, and they it's not my fault. They're so tempting with their, their stone idols and their, their <laughs> carved bosoms. Can't help myself. Right. We, we weren't assimilating gods or our, our gods were not similar to theirs at all. It wasn't. We were monotheists. Mm, yes. Yep. <laughs> By this point, they're getting close. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the religious history of Israel, all right. segue, uh, chapter 20 I thought was extremely interesting. Hey, me too. Well, I, I mean, I thought one verse was interesting, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have basically here like the... It's the history of Israel, as told by Ezekiel. And what I found incredibly interesting was it begins in Egypt. It leaves out the entire, everything in Genesis and everything about Moses, everything about the Pharaoh. It just says that we were in Egypt, we were under the yoke of the Egyptians, and God showed himself to us. And then we came to our new land, and then we sinned. And so we got scattered, which leaves out so much stuff. I, I also noticed when I read through it, the, the mention of, of Egypt and the whole 
Like, when you're reading through all of this, it's like, oh, okay, Jerusalem, Judah, blah, 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 and all of a sudden it's like Egypt. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Well, why are we talking about Egypt? Like, it seems <laughs> kind of... Um, but yeah, I totally get your point. Like, that it does leave out a bunch. But maybe he wasn't trying to frame... There was no Chronicles. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, maybe he wasn't mm-hmm. trying, or whoever was writing it, wasn't trying to frame the exact history of the, mm-hmm. of the Jewish people, perhaps. Perhaps he was just saying, this is when the trouble started. <laughs> you see, we went to Egypt, yeah. and we met these other <laughs> gods, and it just all went to shit from there. Yeah, the thing about other gods, um, I don't remember in the Torah anything about the Israelites worshipping the Egyptian gods. Me either, no. That's true. I'm not crazy. Yeah, so it seems like they took the, the general idea about we were bad and worshipped false gods, which usually was applied to um them when they're in Canaan, Canaan, and um worshipping all the Canaanite gods. And it applies it to Egypt, and it's saying, oh, we were in Egypt worshipping the Egyptian gods. That was so bad of us. That's but just this a rationalization, like the time, Yeah, but it's like the first time it's been framed that way. Before, like... They did the worshiping. They didn't do the evil worshiping till they got to, till they were corrupted by the Canaanites. Yeah, I thought that's why that God was able to, or that's why He decided to send those plagues to Egypt, is because He wanted to protect mm. His people and that they were doing good things, and He wanted to, you know, save them. He didn't really get pissed off at them. Well, besides the Ark and stuff, but um, plant mm. Sodom and Gomorrah. But well, they weren't really the Israelites, and the only time post Egypt well that's no that's begging the question I guess. <laughs> well they didn't really seem to get too pissed with them until they got to the wilderness and started bitching. Yeah. He's like, I'm gonna save my chosen people. What are you guys complaining about? I'm saving you. Why are you always complaining? Yeah. <laughs> well I say I think the reason why it was structured this way is because he he in the end of chapter twenty tells him that, well all that's done and that's the reason why those parts of our history were bad. And that's when we made the mistakes. And we're not going to make those mistakes anymore because God, in verse 38, is going to weed out all the bad ones. And so, from my reasoning, we should not have any more, you know, uh, lapses if God's going to purge out all those who rebel against him. But I kind of have a feeling we're, we're going to go, we're going to fall back and Israel is going to rebel, have high places. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but he's trying. Ezekiel's thinking we're going from here on out. We're all good. It's a clean slate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really. I mean, how how much more? You know, at this point, they've lost their country. They're in exile. How much more judgment could God pass on them? I mean, you know, really, <laughs> Jesus. Probably like, are we done now yet, God? Well, speaking of hill shrines, um, at twenty 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 nine, there's an interesting reference to them. Is it? I asked them. Or, no, the KJV. Do you have the KJV in front of you? Okay, yes I do. Go for it. Then I said unto them, What is the high place whereunto ye go? And the name thereof is called Bama, unto this day. Is it still called that? Yes, the Bama is the word for hill shrine, or high place. Oh. So, that's what it's called? I thought it was like a place. No, it's the word for hill shrine. It's just a general... My translation actually has, what is this hill shrine to which you are going up to? And hill shrine has been its name ever since. 
Wow. That makes sense. Yeah. They don't like the Yellow Shrines. <laughs> no, they do not. It keeps... Uh, oh! Go on, because I have a different thing. No, no, no. What's the epiphany? What's the epiphany? Well, no, it's really 2025 I want to mention. I imposed on them statutes that were not good statutes and laws by which they could not win life. Right. So he's saying he gave them shitty laws. Now, I I think Ezekiel's freelancing here. God would never say that. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. How How can a deity who is perfect impose imperfect laws? Well, maybe a deity can, but this God would never admit to it. I've seen him in action. Yeah, that's what I think. I was trying to think of an apologetic, but <laughs> I'm blank. Mm. I'm sorry. Mm. Mm. So maybe this was um, – see, I would see that, – that that would be a good statement if there's another god you know, out there, another prophet for a, a different god saying, what? He gave these laws, and he still hurt you, and he still took – you know, said you, – you still failed, and he gave these laws, and you followed them. And so now Ezekiel's saying, well, yeah, but they were bad, but now they're good. Maybe that's maybe he's developing his relationship with his chosen people at this point. He started out, okay, here's, here's some fruit, don't eat it. Oh, shit, you screwed that up. Okay, how about this? Oh, well, that's not really working out. Okay, how about, like, maybe, maybe that's... You know, I could see how somebody could make that argument. Like, God really wants to love us. We keep screwing it up. I feel like I've actually heard that argument before. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I've heard that many times. Right. And so, although, I don't know, that kind of undermines the whole God is unchanging. Obviously, God's not consistent. Not not if Ezekiel's word is deeply did you have something about chapter 19 that you had wanted to mention? 19 breaks into a lament, and it's just this poem. And uh, it was pretty interesting. So it's kind oh, of uh, yeah. a metaphor. It's you know, it's, it's calling Jerusalem a lioness. Uh, I didn't quite understand it. Was a I, do, I do understand what you're saying about yeah. it breaking apart and being sort of, oh, man. Yeah, it's I, I, it's I wasn't here for lamentations, but... It did kind of seem like, I don't know, not that it would belong better there, but it did seem like it had a similar timber to... Well, it's very allegorical. According, do you want to know what my notes say about it? I can't really vouch for Please. it. Then. According to my Bible, it's, it's about the end of the Davidic dynasty. Oh. So the lioness in verse 2 is Judah, because Israel's... Mother was Judah. I don't know if that makes sense. One of her cubs was King Jehoahaz, who was taken captive by Pharaoh Necho. But he was a man-eater in this poem. <laughs> Sorry, I yeah. just thought, he's a man-eater. And they dragged him with hooks to the land of Egypt. So that was that's the king who was taken captive. And then in verse 10, the vine is Judah, and the stout branches are either Zedekiah or Jehoiakim, because that's like the the new good king who will be the stout branches that will do good, I don't know. 
So it's it's kind of like a history, just short firm and more poetic than in chapter twenty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought it was a lot more interesting. Well, it's a politi- it's a political history, not like a it's like a political yeah. allegory. Like if we wrote like a poem with donkeys and re- and elephants, the donkeys are job killers. <laughs> <laughs> Or perhaps, I mean, like, Animal Farm. Yeah, oh, yeah. Specific characters in Animal Farm are modeled after real life. What what exactly does it say in your Bible? Like, where they're, is this, like, accepted Christian doctrine? Or, because when you're reading that, I'm having this flashback. I think it's just, like, they're their interpretation i mean the stuff about the line being dragged to egypt makes sense if it really does make sense so it's just i mean they they read kings and they interpreted it with some animals like lion king <laughs> chapter 19 lion king <laughs> in the land of judah well i thought it was interesting because there was no slut shaming going on in this one mm. Nice to have a break. Yes. What else do we have on Judah and Jerusalem pre-chapter 25? Well, I think 23 has this weird stuff about Obadiah and Obadah. (laughs) They sell bananas in the marketplace. And one is Samaria, and one is Jerusalem. Is that what your notes say? No, that's what is verse 4, 23 verse 4. Ohala is Samaria, Ohalaba is Jerusalem. Okay. Which is, which I get, I mean, that seems to be the new, it used to be Israel and Judah, now they're talking about Samaria and Jerusalem. Right, right. Another allegory. Yeah. And my favorite, everyone's favorite line, of course, in this little allegory, is um, 2320. Everybody's, huh? Oh yeah, actually yes, <laughs> they are. How did I miss King, this? In the King James, <laughs> for she doted upon their paramours, whose flesh, as the flesh of the asses, and whose issue is like the issue of horses. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, NIV is a little more explicit. Ooh, is it really? Yeah, it, but it's 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 more medical. Like there, she lusted after her lovers and not paramours, whose genitals whose genitals were like those what? of donkeys. Yeah. The way I'm I'm actually second guessing myself. It may have been paramours is the way this is, but the way it's spelled is more like polyamorous only. Paraamorous, maybe? I don't know. It's Paramours. It's Paramours in KJV. Is it? Okay. Let's just say, according to Blue Letter Bible, that's what it is. But It's P-A-R-A-M-O-U-R-S. And Strong's has it as H-6370, which is concubine. Um, my... Tra- well, wait. Say the NIV translation. The NIV is, uh... There she lusted after her lovers, whose genitals... Were like those of donkeys, and whose emission was like that of horses. God damn. <laughs> okay, mine has. Hallelujah! Um, she, she screams. <laughs> um, mine has the the New English Bible. She was infatuated with her male prostitutes, 
whose members were like those of asses, and whose seed came in floods like that of horses. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is like HBO quality. <laughs> yeah. oh, and she's talking about the Egyptians, by the way. Is it the Egyptians? The Egyptian male prostitutes. Oh, wait, no, remembering... No. The Egyptians made her into a slut. And now she's whoring after the Babylonians. Right, right, but but this is an allegory, right? Um, no, it, no, it's real. It's Jerusalem. Or <laughs> no, was no, it's literal. Allah. It's literal. She really, she learned how to whore in Egypt, and then she applied it to the Babylonians. Hmm. I see. I say, I say the the names um, Ohala and Ohalaba, or Ohalab. But yeah, Ohala means she who has a tent, meaning Israel. And Ohalaba means my tent is in her, which is Judah. Meaning like the tent is the temple, like the tabernacle. My tent is in her. Um, I don't know. That's what that's what it says. Huh. Interesting. I think I missed that because I was already sick of the whole. Because <laughs> mm. in, in verse fourteen, she but she carried her prostitution still further, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yada yada yada, and I missed this whole part. <laughs> right, I think I did the same. I was like, oh, okay, it's here's terrible. two daughters. They're both whores. They both go. Yeah, whoring. I get it. Okay, Jerusalem goes a whoring after other gods. I get it. Say, so, yeah, I'm still trying to to. Tie like okay, so these were allegories for say Judah and Israel or Jerusalem, and let's say like them lusting after their manhood, which is the size of donkeys. Let's say that's like you know their gods are full <laughs> of of prosperity and you know um, child and and fertility and I don't know. To an extent, it's like the culture. I think the the author is blaming them for like cultural assimilation to an extent because they um they say that Israel is infatuated with the Assyrians, which of course they they took over Israel, and then how she's um, Judah is obsessed with the Babylonians and like she carved she carved them onto her walls. It's like. It's like he's decrying like the cultural assimilation that took place after the invasions, and like he wants to like promote like you know the Israelite identity maybe. Right, because it doesn't. I'm not sure. I don't think it goes into it in chapter 23, but there is definitely that. What about? I mean, you know, we set ourselves apart, and what about whenever God set us apart and all of that language throughout this book? So yeah, I can I can see that. I thought just um, small thing twenty four eighteen. He just casually drops Ezekiel. Just says, "Oh yeah, my wife died that evening." Oh and yeah, did it, right. Did you know he had a wife? I had no, no idea. Did not know he had a wife until then. But God told him to have a stiff up stiff upper lip, and he was. I'm gonna prove that correct. Yeah, no problem. Kind of like Fuck with that Job. That in Job, like the wife. Well, no, there she just kind kind of written out. Right. Here she and just appears and dies. 
So we ready for the... For the doom? The last three chapters of Judgment. Ooh. For tonight. Is it the last? I expect more Judgment. Well, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. The, <laughs> la- the last three for this evening. For yes, this- oh, for yeah. tonight. 25 is, of course, where the other Judgments begin. Uh, and I more believe judge- it's... Uh, Ammon, or the the Ammonites in 25. My memory is... 25.17 is the verse from Pulp Fiction, is it not? Really? I think they do cite that in Pulp Fiction. I I thought they made up the Bible verses in Pulp Fiction. Did they? Maybe they did. I don't know. It sounds like I will execute the great vengeance upon them with furious rebukes that they shall know that I am the Lord and I will lay my vengeance upon them. Like, I don't know. That that seemed like, for some reason I thought... It might be reminiscent of it. I'd want... I think I remember that they said that the actual quote wasn't actually from the Bible, but I could be wrong. It's been a while since I saw it. He could just make up stuff and be like, yeah, vengeance, vengeance. It's from the Bible. <laughs> It does say that he made it up. No, he does quote it as Ezekiel 25, 17, but he doesn't say anything like what actual... Oh, so the character says... Okay, I get it. Right, right. All right, so what do we have? Well, I, I can run down everyone who are doomed. The Ammonites, the Moabites, the Edomites... The, the regular, the usual suspects. Then the Philistines, the Karatites, who are kind of like the Philistines, I guess. Um, and then the Phoenicians. Ooh. From here. We get a lot. Of, we get, I think this is like the most they've talked about the Phoenicians. Yeah. They're just friggin', they do not like the Phoenicians. Even though they, um, where'd you get your alphabet? <laughs> <laughs> the Philistines, not from the no, the Phoenicians. Yeah. yeah. Which also gave us... Damn them and their literate ways. Latin. Um, pretty much every, like, even all the Indian scripts are derived from it. Pretty much every alphabetic script that wasn't, like, independently invented, it derives from the Phoenicians. So, they should be nice to the Phoenicians. But they didn't know that at the time. No, because it went through, like, Etruscan, and then... We don't actually know what language Etruscan's written in. We can read it. We don't know what it says. Here, yeah, they don't like here. They had a lot of boats. They went around. <laughs> they, spread their, they spread their language memes. Um, and the Israelites don't like them. Yep, Tyr's especially bad, because they can like, float. Oh, we, have, we have our little our little strip of rocky, useless land. But yeah, yeah, you guys suck. They just love wishing doom on everyone. Yeah. You're gonna get yours. This whole bit kind of ran together for me, 25 through 27, yeah. and probably the bits following this because I read a little bit ahead and it seems oh, to be God, mostly go judgments. Um, well, the they last... ran together for me too, but verse seven. Well, I was gonna say go I mean I didn't mean to interrupt you, but chapter 26, verse seven. Like it all ran together except for this one part where he calls um, Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon, king of kings. That was kind of interesting, right? When's the last time that, that, that someone was called king of kings? 
Well, I don't know. I thought that was, you know, today we think of Jesus, but... Technically, though, I mean, he was. I mean, he did conquer and, and usurp all of these other kingdoms, lesser kingdoms around him that presumably had kings. So. Yeah, that's true. I guess I just keyed into it because the whole Jesus thing. But. Right. You see that banner in evangelical churches. King of kings, Lord of lords. All the time. And that always, Lord of lords, Lord of lords always kind of made me wonder because I'm like. Me too. There's other lords? There's other god? What? what does that mean? I don't even know. But yeah, King I hadn't read the Bible yet, and there are tons of lords. <laughs> and they're all praying to him <laughs> yeah. on the high places. There's tons of lords on all the high places. <laughs> Unfortunately, our Lord's not down with it getting high, but that's why we had to do it with all the other ones. If everybody was smoking pot, you'd be lazy and wouldn't spread your memes. Right, right. <laughs> Wait, then how do the Rastafarians convert people? Do they convert people? They don't, that's why they're so small. Oh. That's <laughs> I have a change of well slightly it's like it's related to the whole Jesus thing, the references to Jesus. Um all through Ezekiel, God calls Ezekiel son of man. Right? right. Yeah. He's like, hey son of man, what's up? Um and that's that's what they call Jesus, right? Jesus is the son of man. Damn right. So I tried. I don't know Greek. Um, I haven't gotten to that yet in my quest to know everything. But um, <laughs> uh, to our listeners at home, if you want to, you can learn Greek and then pull up your Septuagint and see if the references to the Son of Man in Ezekiel match the Greek in the New Testament when they talk about the Son of Man. Because I don't know if the Greek matches exactly, but you can find out for yourself. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Let me know when you're done. That's a very, very interesting point. Learn Greek in five easy steps. And then tell us this answer. (laughs) That's pretty much all I have. Yeah, Yeah, I don't don't have anything more. So thank you for joining us this evening. (laughs) And that is all. We're so happy you're listening to us. (laughs) 